Secrets of the Sire. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another edition of Secrets of the Sire. We talk comics, movies, TV, and pop culture every Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, on the Sire Studios digital network. That's SireDigital.com. Uh, we're also on blogtalkradio.com slash sirestudios, youtube.com slash secrets of the sire. Please go and subscribe to our page, facebook.com slash secrets of the sire. We're on twitch.tv as well, slash secrets of the sire, S-I-R-E. Tonight's episode, retro review, Tim Burton's Batman. 30 years later, does it hold up? And we have the voice of the Batman. I, yeah, you, you like how I said it. Kevin Conroy from Batman, the animated series, Mask of the Phantasm, and much, much, much more. Uh, but basically, the iconic voice of Batman, our interview with him. As always, I am your host, Michael Dolce, and I am brought to you with, alongside, the Lord of the Radio himself, Mr. Hassan Godwin. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing, I'm doing pretty good. It's, it's, um, it's really hot outside. By the way. It's actually hot in my studio right now too, and this is really yeah. like I, <laughs> I'm I'm actually a little uh, distressed by this. So. Yeah, it's it's uh it it's terrible. I mean, it's good because we're in August. We got a month to go. Yep. Pretty much until the weather starts to break. Now we're gonna get an Indian summer probably, mm-hmm. where we're gonna the heat's gonna go well into September, and it won't be until like mid October that it starts to cool off. Yeah. But it's good to know. That we're getting through it. That we're <laughs> that we're in the last month of it. I, I like I like summer. I understand all you summer people. Summer vacation. I I do not denigrate it. I hope everyone's having a great time. Yeah. I hope they're 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 at the beach. They're living it up. They're enjoying <laughs> this weather. But I gotta tell you, I do not like the heat. No, I'm not a heat person. I'm not a summer person. So I'm happy. I'm I'm glad the summer's going without incident. That we're all gonna get through it. And it's been a smooth ride so far. So, like, you know, let's just get it, let's just get it done. That's what You've mentioned, mentioned this before, that you're not a summer person. It. In fact, you, uh, I might have. you are I likened might've. to the victim of Jack Napier when he uses the buzzer, uh, the <laughs> handheld buzzer. That's yeah. you. That's what you feel like. That is, that is exactly that how I feel. is probably the best segue I've ever done on this show. I think that guy's name was Retaliante. <laughs> Good I, I remember that. Can yeah, I just tell you, I'm actually the worst. I'm the worst geek. I really am. Um, I, I'm actually no. I no. Actually, I am a geek. I think I have. I've transferred over in my almost forty years in this planet from being a nerd, which we've defined in previous episodes. Which again, you can go onto iTunes, iHeartRadio, uh, you know, YouTube. You can check out all of our previous shows. A nerd is someone who is so into one specific subject a geek is more of someone that is learned enough but about a various number of topics and not as deep you just you just showed why you're a nerd and i'm a geek because i'm like that guy and you're like that's his name yeah well yeah i can't there's nothing i can say about that i don't know i don't know which of us i don't know which is better to be the guy who knows that guy's name or there's you know just just that you're you're the guy who knows that you he understood the reference, yeah. So, you know, and you can maintain. You still kind of maintain your cool. You kind of, you're kind of nerd adjacent kind of situation you can go I like, with. I like that nerd adjacent. Yeah. So I mean, I think that's a better thing to be than to be all. It's I, I've discovered in my years of being alive, it's mm-hmm. never good to be all of something. It's good to be some of a lot of things instead of all of one thing. That is a conversation we will have at another time because I I wholly disagree. Actually. Oh, no. Depending no, on, depending on what it is we're talking about. Well, well, yeah, okay. So, but you do you do realize there's contingencies though. There there are some there you know there is some loose contingencies. So yeah, it's it's kind of it's a, I don't know geek wise. Do you want to all you, you want to be all geek or do you want to just kind of be geek adjacent? Which one? Uh, you know, nowadays I'm I'm more in, into the adjacent category. No, I like nerd adjacent. I like nerd adjacent because I think nerd, yes, adjacent. nerd adjacent. No, as opposed to being a whole nerd. Geek is, essentially, geek is essentially nerd adjacent anyway, but maybe nerd <laughs> is a little yeah. deeper than what a geek is because I think a geek is kind of like I love Iron Man, I love Spider Man, and it's like oh, remember that what happened that issue you know two forty eight with the Mandarin? Remember yeah. that the situation where the Mandarin got? Right. They'd be like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. 
like he's cool. He swings, you know, across buildings. Like that's that's, <laughs> that's like a geek. That's a geek thing. Like oh, like I know who Venom is. I know who Doc Ock is. I know who Joker is. You know, I can't tell you, you know, whether or not the origin story of the Joker is, you know, this, that, or the other. Like that's, I think, what a geek is. So I think nerd at Jace is a little deeper than that. In in the yeah. sense that uh, there are definitely some things that I am an expert on. Before you before you push us on, in yes. my defense, the reason I know that guy's name is is I think it's Revaliente, either Revaliente or Italiente, is because uh-huh. the, the the line that that uh, that provides his name mm-hmm. is a very famous line from that movie of you know you're a vicious bastard, Italiente, and I'm glad mm. you're dead, right? Because remember he's talking to the corpse after he sets him I on fire. I remember everyone. I remember, you know, where does he get those wonderful toys? That's where does he get to? They're, but they're, you know, that's the thing with nerds. There's never one line. It's true. There's, there's a number of lines. Where does he get those wonderful toys? It's great. I got a story about that too later for later. But you can tell uh, it now if you want. I mean, it's not as if it's, the 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 spoiler uh, referendum has ended at this point. Okay, I didn't know we were in the show. You wanted to to kind of lace into Batman it. Batman is now thirty years old, so I think at this That's point, true. if you want to if you want to break out a story about there'll be someone, there'll be some angry person in the comments that are going to be like, "Hey, <laughs> all right, we should everybody out there. This is a spoiler. <laughs> this movie's thirty years old. If you haven't seen it yet, um, um, where does he get those wonderful toys? Was a great line. There's a there are people who remember, and I, I'm sure I don't know which copy of Batman you saw. There are people who remember after he says that because it's a it's the great skylight scene. If you if you're a comic book fan in the '90s from the '90s, you will yeah. know that after after that scene, there were skylights broken throughout yeah. Comicdon. It, for you know for at least 20 years after that, yeah. mm-hmm. characters who come through the oh, skylight yeah. or whatever. Yeah. That was, to my knowledge, that's one of the first kind of uh, first iterations of a superhero coming through the skylight. So Batman drops down through the skylight, uses the the yeah the tow cable or whatever you whatever the the winch or whatever he used the, the yeah. bat winch or however that worked. Mm-hmm. Cool scene, impractical device, but a very cool scene. <laughs> but I mean, see, that's me being a nerd. This and, entire um, movie is is the foundation. Yes. Cool scenes for comedy. I'm not, yeah. And I'm not going to be able to argue with a, we're going to have a terrible show because I'm not going to be able to argue with a lot of, of any of the, any of the reverence that you're going to show yeah. the movie. But, uh, so when he swings down, he swings away and Joker's, where does he get those wonderful toys? Right. Mm-hmm. A number of people on opening night clearly remember the, a scene right after that, where he looks uh-huh. at his, his men. And he says, well, don't just stand there. Go ask him. And then that's when the cars come blasting uh, out. Right. Mm-hmm. Sure. In every cut I've ever seen of that, that cut is no longer there. It's just, where does he get those wonderful toys? And then it's, it, cuts to, uh, hmm. it cuts to Bruce Wayne. I mean, excuse me. Oops, spoiler. Batman. Cuts to Batman <laughs> and, uh, and Vicky Vale jumping into, the ba- into what is... Quite honestly, my favorite Batmobile. It's the best Batmobile. It's it's the best of a lot of things. That's right? an argument, though. That's a that's a that's a big geek argument. Whether or not, whether or a lot not. of people like the tumbler. A lot of people like the, I don't. I dislike the tumbler tremendously as a Batmobile. Well, I, think I mean, let's movie. let's break this down a second, and then we'll get yeah, into the question of whether or not the movie really truly holds up thirty years later. But true. Uh, okay, we'll do. We'll know, get into that. What Tim Burton was able to do. And why it actually will answer the question for me as to whether it holds up or not, is he's able to create this fantastical Gotham City, okay? And in, you could replace the word, word Gotham City with world. I mean, is this the 40s? Is it the 80s? Is it its own universe? I mean, he melds uh, certain fashion aesthetics, all the men are in hats and trench coats, uh, which was a big, you know, that, that's a 1940s. Yeah, definitely, definitely 1930s, 1940s. 1930s, you know, something like that. 30s to 50s, right? Yeah. Uh, but meanwhile, I mean, all the everything, you know, everyone's hairstyle is the '80s, and it, and it could be the 1980s just as just as easily as it could be the 19 you know 30s or 40s. Yes, it's, a good- it, it, it's an else world style Gotham that, to me, is is the main reason why you can get away with you know if if some of the CGI doesn't hold up, to me it's okay because 
it's almost like I was recently watching Shape of Water, which I still haven't gotten through. It's still like an hour and a half or an hour into that movie, and I just can't get through it. I'm not a big fan of Gu- uh, Guillermo del Toro, to be honest with you, when all is said and done. Well, that's a, an argument for another you're day. you're not a nerd. But he no, not a creates this nerd. world that's this like old-style Hollywood magic world. And Tim Burton does the exact same thing, only you know goes noir and darker and does this in in this Batman creation. So to me, everything holds up because this world doesn't exist in 1989. So it it can or it does, I guess you could say it. it you know, he created it in 1989, but it doesn't exist in 1989, and it has no timestamp. It has no date on it. It's not like he's swinging through. And obviously, Spider-Man movies came out after 9/11, but it's yeah. not like you're it's not like you're going to see the World Trade Center and be like, "Oh wow, you know what a what a stark difference that is having that there or having this there." No, he creates this, and it's also distinctly Tim Burton, which I actually do love Tim Burton's world. I mean, Danny Elfman's score, you know, just enforces everything that we've seen, uh, and the story. I don't know. For, 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 yeah. Give me if I well, correct me if I'm wrong. That's the you don't have to forgive me. I don't care about your forgiveness. <laughs> but you can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I do believe, because I wasn't a super reader of Batman at the uh-huh. time, in, the ni- in 1990, when yeah. the movie came out. Um, my uncle was. My uncle was a tremendous Batman. Mm-hmm. I mean, tremendous, tremendous. But um, sure. um, I think Tim Burton's the first person. Mm-hmm. If he wasn't the first person to do it, if it wasn't, if it wasn't invented in the comic books, he is that he's definitely the first person in, in a in a total visual medium. Yeah. Turn Gotham in and of itself into a character of Batman in yeah. the Batman story. Because yeah, as you're saying, and I and uh, again, unfortunately I completely agree with you. Um No, no, I mean oh well, I'll disagree with you here actually. I mean if you read the comics, Dark Knight Returns came in eighty six, so I mean it was Gotham was, was But was was Gotham a character or just a, a kind of a dark place? I mean Tim mm-hmm. Burton gave Gotham kind of a Right kind of a cat like a like a menacing character to it yeah. you know um it was new york, york city or, in the oh, 70s right like it was new york city yeah. in the 70s but it took place in the 30s the, yes new york in the 70s and the, 80s, and the 30s at the yeah. same time like it was amazing he 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 did you know create this element to it uh let me ask you Which a question kind of really does work in the in the in the batman spectrum it really does uh, complement the character in ways that, that metropolis does not really compliment yes. Superman. Yes. Know? So, the, um, when you rewatched the film, was there anything about it where you're like, "Wow, I forgot this," or "Oh, wow," like where where it brought up things, or or was there anything that you kind of caught that you might not have caught the first time around, being that it was like thirty years ago? Uh, okay, so so let me let me reveal two things. First okay, of all, I didn't rewatch it, and oh, the reason okay. I didn't rewatch it. Is because I don't actually have a copy of it. I actually do have it on DVD. I have all four Batman movies in one DVD. It's crazy. I I failed to get that copy of mm. Batman on DVD. Now the other reason the reason I'm I'm perfectly willing to sit here and have this conversation with you about in a retrospective about this movie. Uh-huh. The reason I know that the guy's name is Mr. Italiante is because I have seen Batman <laughs> probably one zillion times. I think I. I do believe Star Wars beats out Batman in in the in the in how many times I've replayed a movie. Sure. I think Batman's on par with one of my favorite, if not my total favorite, comic book movies of all time, mm-hmm. Crow. I think okay. uh, I think Batman is on par with that. Of how many times I've rewatched it? So, and I had it on VHS. You know, so I destroyed my VHS copy of it. Batman. I don't I don't know if you remember it because you're a little younger than I am. You're not that much younger, but you're a little younger than I am. Uh-huh. The phenomenon in 1990 behind Batman coming out was was almost to the point of mass hysteria. Yeah, it was it was incredible. And up until then, Batman had kind of everybody the conventional wisdom, not not comic book wisdom, but conventional wisdom sure. had Batman as kind of a joke because it was yep. the Adam West Batman. Everybody knew yep. the Adam West Batman, and I don't have a problem with the Adam West Batman. I think Adam West. I actually don't either. Uh, that's one of my favorite Batmans, but yeah. I understand that it's not exactly. It's got a place. It's got its place. It's just right. there are other iterations of Batman right. that you you know that that work better, right? It, mm-hmm. in, for today's, uh, you know, so Tim Burton's Batman is Batman's all dressed in black. He's going to have body armor on. Right. He's, you know, he's going to. It's going to be totally dark. It's going to totally. 
there's no Robin, you know, it's just him right. and Batman. And you're like, oh, oh it's, it's, wait a minute, Batman's this thing? Batman's this big thing? You know, and then my, that's when my uncle starts rolling out, you know, like Batman Year One. And yeah. they're like, holy crap, you know, Batman is a serious thing. That's when I became the first movie. So I'm, uh, I'm a little geek adjacent or nerd adjacent mm-hmm. when it comes to Batman also because I, you know, the, the conventional wisdom is you, if you don't start with the source material, you're not a true nerd for the yeah. thing. I didn't start with the source material. I, I did start with Tim Burton, um, excuse me, Adam West's Batman, yeah. and then Tim Burton's Batman. And then I started getting into the comic books super heavy. But I've seen that movie too many times. <laughs> I, gotta say, I gotta be honest with you. So, yeah, there's... Look, the... The... the the great, I, my favorite Joker, mm-hmm. even though I dislike the movie, my favorite Joker is Heath Ledger. Sure. However, Jack Nicholson's Joker is a class unto itself. Yeah. It is, it is totally Jack Nicholson. It's not really a character. It's more Jack Nicholson and Joker. Yeah. yeah. It's the but, performance. It's the performance that he gives, not necessarily the character itself that makes you stop and, and really be impressed. Right. But Nicholson did elevate the Joker to to yeah. mythical status. Mm-hmm. His his performance, his I think his portrayal of it, maybe it's not maybe it's not totally his portrayal. Yeah. The fact that someone of his caliber was playing you know, because I mean, how yeah. many superstars, and Jack Nicholson at the time mm-hmm. was a superstar, a megastar. How many superstars were playing a comic book villain? Right. You know, there was there was Gene Hackman, who was Lex Luthor, mm-hmm. who played who played Lex Luthor actually against type. According to the, you know, according to Lex Luthor in the comic books, mm-hmm. and he was kind of, he was snarky, and and I love, I love Gene Hackman, I love his Lex Luthor, but I mean, look, the the scenery chewing that Nicholson does, yeah, and the, you know, the the origin of the Joker, just you know, who the Joker was, what the Joker was, the fact that that wasn't just makeup to, you know, to letting conventional audiences know now that's his face, you know, yeah. that's not, you know, that's why he's insane because he looks yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, that, all that stuff was tremendous, and the Joker has never come down off of the pedestal that Jack Nicholson put him up on, in right. my opinion. Right. Um, Ledger's Joker, to your point, you know, marries performance and character. Nicholson's right. uh, performance... Because, because yeah, because that's not Ledger. ...elevates the character completely. I mean, the, the one thing I thought was very... I don't want to say that, use the word dated or silly, but it was very cartoonish... You know, cartoon villainish stuff is when he's like, you know, his whole plot of, you know, poisoning the makeup, and I'm like, well, that's a cartoon supervillain. That's what a cartoon supervillain does. And and yeah. we have the hindsight of 30 years now of actual comic book movies that try to be as realistic as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, even though the Joker is a an insane person, no matter you know who portrays him. That to me is like, okay, yeah, that is a little silly. You know, that is a little silly. But again, it works because of the world that Burton sets up. You know, it's almost like Burton sets up this universe that Jack Nicholson can just go and do all these things. And you're like, that seems legit. (laughs) It's not absurd. It's not not absurd. absurd. It's it's crazy. And no one really, and no one really, and it's arguable that even Burton himself really couldn't duplicate that that kind of crazy world building that he did in yeah. because i mean batman returns i mean i mean we'll have a discussion about that someday but that's not i i, I another movie that i thoroughly enjoy mm-hmm. but it's not on par with the first batman i'd, have to, I'd have to watch that again there was some just some creepy elements to that that i just There's, like yeah. yeah because i think i think like it was just off-putting batman returns is just off-putting whereas batman because it was the it, it was kind of a it was. Uh, I'm gonna use a, a terrible metaphor. It was a glaze in Batman. The 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 Gotham, the gothicness of Gotham, and the kind of the absurd hyper reality of Gotham. Mm-hmm. You know, cops wearing leather. Um, right. the, you know, the the giant statues in, in in the middle of an avenue. You know, yeah. just everywhere. There was. It was just kind of a glaze on top. It was just kind of a hint mm-hmm. of of cinematic or visual absurdity. Mm-hmm. You know, comic book absurdity, and I think the I think even Burton and everybody else got kind of caught up with it, and overdid it in Batman Returns. Yeah, certainly Schumacher didn't. <laughs> no, 
didn't really know how to capture it, so he just went he went for out complete outlandishness. Speaking the, of Schumacher, and this is again one of those things where it's like you rewatch Batman thirty years later, having an arsenal of successfully grounded superhero movies in your mental database to back you up. How amazing would it have been had Tim Burton been able to cast Billy D. Williams as Two Face? You know, that's just that was to me the big standout when I was rewatching this because I was like, wow, you know, they have all the elements. They have the Commissioner Gordon. He's, yeah. he's not the same Commissioner Gordon. He's a little out of shape here, but it works. Uh, you know, you have Joker, <laughs> Batman, yeah. and you know, Vicky Vale kind of comes in. And, um, but I, I can the very conspicuously Mayor Koch looking mayor. Yes, <laughs> Ed Koch looking. There. I completely forgot Billy D. Williams was was Harvey mm-hmm. Dent. I, I, it, it, when I think back to Batman, I don't remember that. And I said, yeah. oh, "Wow, you know." And if it, if this had, movie had taken place now, the casting of Billy D. Williams would have automatically meant because everything is a trilogy that we would have seen that as Two Face, and I actually would have enjoyed that as Two. I would have enjoyed him as Two Face. Yeah. Enjoyed to see where they go with it. Uh, ironically, too, you know, if you watch, if you rewatch this movie ten years ago, versus the, the political times of today, Billy D. Williams, obviously, you know, Harvey Dent is supposedly is not supposedly he is like a white guy in the comics. So, but he was cast as a black guy. But there was in 1989, you know, no one even. I I don't know if comic book fans even cared that that was there because you you didn't have the possibility of a trilogy. You didn't have the possibility that they would do more. Whereas yeah. if you cast him now, it would be like, wow, I can't believe you're race swapping Harvey Dent. So mm-hmm. I guess we're going to get a black Two-Face now. It would be a conversation. It would be a conversation now. Whereas right. in 89, it was just done. And there was no, and, and what a better time, right? What a, what a simpler time when you could do that. For, for entertainment. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think he was also, it's arguable. I think he was also portrayed as black in the, in the animated series. Even though uh, Richard Maul is the one oh, who did it. No, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. If you look at the character again, look at him again. Hmm. It's, 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 he's a, it's arguable he was black in the, in the yeah. cartoon. All right, all right. I mean, I'll, I'll, Between, I'll believe you. Yeah, look at, just look at the character again. He was, he was voiced, he was definitely voiced by Richard Maul, which is, who is a, you know, is a very white guy. Yeah. Um, he's with a, with a deep voice. Um, well, that's a, I'll tell you what. That's a great segue, and we're going to go into commercial break. But later on today, we've got Kevin Conroy talking Batman, the animated series. He's going to be talking about all this other stuff. But when we come back, do Tim Burton's Batman movies still hold up? Does Batman 1989 still hold up when we come back from a short break? Check out the all-new Sire Studios website, SireStudiosInc.com. Find all your back issues for The Sire, Mainstream, Undone, and more. And be on the lookout for news and announcements, convention appearances, and brand new podcasts coming to Sire Studios. That address again is SireStudiosInc.com. Welcome back to Secrets of the Sire. Secrets of the Sire is brought to you by all of our beloved patrons, uh, Craig Caruso, Tom Osa, Einar Peterson, Matt Beyer, Ashley Haikai, uh, Omar Morales, <laughs> Brian Phillips, Steve Ovecki, Program Director Stephanie Dolce, and as always, our Uber fan, Christina Dolce. Go to patreon.com slash secrets of the Sire, S-I-R-E, or you can type in my name, uh, spell it D-O-L-C-E, and you can find us there as well, too. Uh, Please go to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Secrets of the Sire, which will be changing soon. The, uh, we're going to be changing that uh, URL pretty soon because we're expanding Sire Studios. We've got some cool announcements. We've got some cool things coming up in the coming weeks, uh, new shows. So pretty excited about that. Uh, and as always, go on Spreaker or Stitcher or iTunes or you know, pod this or pod that. We are on every single podcasting uh, apparatus you can possibly think of and uh, go check us out. And again, please subscribe. Uh, please follow us. It really helps us. So really love it. All right. We were talking Tim Burton's Batman 
masterpiece in 1989. Um, the question I threw out there uh, to the interwebs was whether or not it held up or not. Uh, I got this article from GQ.com. 30 years ago, a superhero movie was not a guaranteed blockbuster. The last time Batman had been exposed to mass audiences, he had quipped around with Robin and Dance the Bat Tusi. But the beginning of a new era of superhero movie, dark, violent, and self-serious, began in 1989 when Tim Burton's Batman hit theaters. Now that superheroes routinely dominate the box office, uh, this article would thought it would be interesting to revisit these prototypical blockbusters to see how they hold up today. Um, the article kind of goes into the casting of Michael Keaton, which is something we didn't touch on yet. That, at the time, was controversial enough, according to this article, to inspire 50,000 angry letters to Warner Brothers from fans. It's hard mm-hmm. to imagine Keaton being anyone those fans. <laughs> except for Tim Burton. You know, so it's funny. I mean, I guess they didn't have time to complain about Harvey Dent <laughs> because they're busy. Com- they didn't know who Harvey Dent was, you know? They really... Yeah, it really. I mean, they know who Two Face is, but a lot of a lot of those yeah. fans at the time probably didn't, you know, because those are the vocal mm-hmm. ones, the ones out in the. So they didn't know that Harvey Dent. It's like, um, oh man, I, uh, see, you talk about being a bad geek. It's like the lizard when they cast the lizard in uh, Spider-Man Three. Yeah, it was just, it was just um, Peter Parker's a uh, professor. Yep. Everyone's like, oh, they're they're laying the groundwork for the lizard, and everyone's like, oh what. With a guy with one arm? Why, who can, you know, what are you talking about? Yeah. And, uh, you know, so it was, I would say this about, before, I know we're going to get into Michael Heaton. Um, I will say this about, I was thinking about this in the last segment, about, probably about Batman, and Batman alone, not the, not the, the other three movies of that particular iteration. But, yeah. um, Batman's kind of another example of, true art mm-hmm. you know like nobody believes in this thing so since nobody believes in that we can do whatever we want sure you know we can make it a complete art thing uh and it seems like what tim burton did and and you know some people may argue he went too far some people argue that the he took the genre to a completely different place and hasn't mm-hmm. ever gone back there mm-hmm. and that's one of the problems i think he was more on tone than off tone personally, mm-hmm. and I think he was, you know, he was brilliant to make his own universe. Yeah. So that Batman fit perfectly in that universe. You cannot picture that Batman in any other kind of correct universe. But it, I think it's the, I think the franchise in itself was a victim of you know studio interference after it became a hit. Sure. You know, so like Burton's exactly. right. Bur- Burton's this, this crazy maverick who doesn't really know what he's doing, and he's mm-hmm. just, you know this this arty you know, so-called intellectual who's going to make this visual Mm -hmm. uh, ridiculousness into a movie. And he's not going to get anywhere with that. And it's just a Batman. It's a comic book movie anyway. So it's not going to really go that far because they don't really work. And so never mind. Don't worry about it. Yeah. The movie becomes a big hit. I mean, it turns into a phenomenon. It really did. And I mean, it it cannot be, it can't be overstated how big Batman was in 1990, 1991. It can't be overstated how... And then everything, because after that, we, you got the Flash TV show, you got a whole yep. bunch of, you know, yep. things started to creep into the system, mm-hmm. but they were all kind of offshoots of Batman. Even Spider-Man had, a, had Batman DNA in it because of, uh, because of uh, Danny Elfman's soundtrack, because of there's certain, certain aspects of Spider-Man that were informed by the phenomenon that was Tim Burton's first Batman. Yeah. But I think by the time he got to the second one, Everybody wanted a piece of the pie. Everybody wanted to influence her. Of course. Yeah. So, I mean, look, uh, he, like you were saying about uh, Billy D. Williams, he laid the groundwork for some really interesting choices to, mm-hmm. you know, it's, for some really great reveals as the, as the series went on. Yeah. And he just got, it just seems like either he undercut himself or he got undercut because nobody was into shared universes nobody was yeah. into, um uh serialized uh movies at the time right. i mean you do have sequels sequel but sequels are usually cookie cutter versions mm-hmm. re- retreads of the yep. first movie just done yep. in the sequel yep. so i think batman is like a phenomenon if you're talking about like what we learned from be watching it mm-hmm. it was a phenomenon in and of itself that we don't even see today no you know, you're not even going to get a movie like Batman today. What comic book movies are monsters? Even 
even Hellboy, which may be the closest thing, mm-hmm. like uh, Del Toro's first Hellboy, might be the closest thing to that kind of immersive. I, I, yeah, I agree. Visual. I agree with you. Um, even that isn't doesn't reach the height of what Batman was, you know. Yeah. I mean, of course, Hellboy was I more know. pure superhero than than Batman, but. It all starts with the main two leads. Uh, this GQ article, this is what they say about Keaton. Keaton is probably the best Batman ever, and he's definitely the best Bruce Wayne ever. On screen, Keaton reliably comes off as very weird and very smart. The exact qualities Bruce Wayne should ex- exude. This is a different take on Bruce Wayne than the movies that would follow. Here, he's a weird, rich recluse, and he's not particularly famous. His parents' murder has been long forgotten. Today, you'd be hard-pressed to find anybody who didn't know Batman's origin story, but Batman casts the whole thing as a mystery to be solved by journalists slash slash love interest Vicky Vale, and it right. works surprisingly well. Right. Uh, it goes That's on another problem. About- every, every iteration of Batman that came after it had to redo the, the, the death of... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Of, uh, you know, of the, the Waynes. And, I mean, we, we, after Dur- Burton's version, we really didn't need another... Uh, other than to just show that it wasn't the Joker who killed them, which is right. a, a Burton... Uh, you know, a, a Burton you know, uh, uh, fantasies, you know, he didn't, you know, he didn't that, that's not like how that, it happened. Though, right. But choices like that make so much sense for you're starting a movie universe. You know, this is the ultimate universe. They, they're, he's, I don't really know. I don't really have a problem with it. I, yeah. I didn't, I mean, I know some people who did have a problem with it who aren't not, not necessarily because it wasn't the comic book thing. It's just because right. it was like really convenient that sure. this guy you're chasing just happens to be, but, um, but no, I don't really but have it. It also elevates, I mean, you know, having that, making that decision actually elevates this rivalry between the two of them. Otherwise it really is just like the comics where, you know, uh, crazy just begets more crazy, which look, uh, the Christian Bale Batman's that, that was the whole idea of the Nolan Batman run is that, you know, the crazier someone gets in response to madness, the crazier people, you know, every reaction has an opposite and equal reaction, which is also a valid take, you know? So, so in both of these, you know, it, they're just two distinctly different universes. Uh, they, they go on to talk about uh, Nicholson's Joker. First, they actually said that getting Nicholson was a casting coup in such a way that it was actually billed ahead of Michael Keaton in the opening credits. So it's amazing how yes. he, you know, Nicholson, yeah. is, Nicholson is actually the star of the movie, basically being mm-hmm. able to get him. Uh, Nicholson's Joker has since been eclipsed by Heath Ledger's Oscar-winning performance in The Dark Knight, but there's still plenty to admire about it. The best interpretations of the Joker find him dancing on the line between scary and funny, and Batman often hits that mark. As good as Nicholson is, though, Keaton is better. He's the first actor and still the only actor to capture just how weird you'd need to be to respond to a childhood trauma of putting on a costume and beating up criminals. Whenever Bruce sees the Joker, it's like he goes into a fugue state. Uh, it's a fugue. It's not just recognizing the dude who killed his parents. It's recognizing his own psychosis manifesting on the other side of the law in a horrifying a fascinating way so i agree i agree know. i think i think also um i don't think you could have gotten ledger's joker without nicholson's foundation you know so whereas ledger did kind of overpower his but i mean ledger's joker had the benefit of being meta you know it, it's informed by like 30 years almost of uh of batman hysteria you know Mm -hmm. of batman lore becoming very mainstream so you know nicholson didn't have much to draw from other than uh caesar romero's turn as uh the joker in in uh the 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 uh, adam west right so i mean and i mean look nicholson was always going to be nicholson it was uh, a scarier evolution of the caesar romero joker oh yeah yeah it was was the next it was the next phase for both of them in terms of physical, you know, aesthetics. Right, right. I wouldn't, I wouldn't disagree. But, I mean, you couldn't, without those two steps, without Cesar Romero mm-hmm. leading to Jack Nicholson, you, the Heath Ledger wouldn't be what Heath Ledger's Joker is, you oh, know? He, right. he, he needed two other versions of the Joker to, to kind of work against yes. in order to, to, to make his Joker pop out. And he is my favorite Joker. He really is. Yeah. Um, just, just as... Which is very odd. Um, just as uh, Michael Keaton is my favorite Batman. I mean, he hasn't. To me, Batman hasn't been topped by Keaton. I did like Affleck, which surprised. Loved Affleck as Batman. The heck out of me. Surprised yeah. the heck out of me. I don't think it tops uh, second, Keaton, second but he Keaton. didn't have the. 
he didn't have the opportunity that that Keaton had. Do you, you know what's funny? You get little snippets uh, in Suicide Squad. He's actually perfect. Or is it, it's Suicide Squad, right? He was in. Yeah. He had, yes, he that was. is ba- like that is Batman. That is, and Ben Affleck is pulling it off in such a way that if we'd had a whole movie of that, I feel like we would have. We would. Wait, and we should have. I don't know why Warner Brothers. I mean, really I don't know what having this argument. I know. I know. Well, now we got Robert Pattinson, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, you know what? Look, the reason I can't really mock Robert Pattinson is because everyone said the same thing about uh about Heath Ledger. This is why this and generation I'm only one of the few people who yes. said if if they cast Heath Ledger, he must be amazing. Right. You know? So let's just give it a chance. But this, this- is just shows demonstrates though these Batman castings just demonstrates just how lazy uh, today's youth is, in that they can just go on Twitter and vent. Back in '89, you had to literally handwrite. <laughs> yes, you had to be to, to voice your displeasure. That was the a long time to be angry. You know, then you had to you had to get post. You really have to be simmering to sit down <laughs> and carefully. <laughs> you know, like oh, I can't believe it. I am cutting this pen out right now. <laughs> <laughs> how, do you, how do you spell disgruntled? Warner Brothers, and then it's not like you could go on your phone and just Google Warner Brothers Studio. I mean, you got to pull out the phone book. Boom. Yeah, you got to go to maybe you got to go to the library. Oh, you know, you got to <laughs> <I mean, laughs> find out. You got to use the, you to pull the system at that point. And yeah, you got to pull the city, the the you know the the city ordinance or whatever. I find mean, out exactly where really everything. You got to work hard for this, or right. Else, point have done the work because i mean maybe at that point you've just got you've just got a file full of the studio addresses because you've done this before but at some point in the 1980s and 90s and before that you had to work sound like oh it's it's a commodity thing it's a commitment i mean that's just i'm saying you they were committed to their comics gayness they were committed to their yeah um, it was it was it was a serious it was a real thing and it wasn't monetized. That's the other thing. Right, right. They were just genuinely pissed off. Yeah, nobody was making a dime off of it. I mean, the thing is, the thing about it today is it will last a lot longer than the outrage actually lasts because people are making cash off of it. Right. But, I mean, at that time, when people were mad, they were really mad. You know, it was, it was a genuine thing. Yeah. It was a, oh, I don't know, it sounds curmudgeon to say. It, it was a better time. It really was for entertainment, for, yes. for this kind of stuff. It was a better time. We had much less of it, um, which made every bit of it special. Yeah. But, uh, and, and so I don't miss having, having as little entertainment, as little comic book entertainment as we have today. I, I actually prefer today sure. to then. But I just, I just, I miss the awe, you know, and the reverence that people gave this stuff. I mean, when they did a good job, when you had a good mm-hmm. movie, say like Batman, and it really, and it really just, and it was an event. You went because I mean, look, I was, a, I grew up, I was a Star Wars boy. I grew up on Star Wars. So the gold standard is a Star Wars experience. So I think one of the few times, and of course, you get the the, the Spielberg movie every now and then. You get ET. You get some of these other seminal moments where you're, you know, you're just kind of part of a zeitgeist. The when I went to see Batman with my and my you know my uncle was you know just I mean I cannot I can't overstate his enthusiasm for it sure. he was so happy so I'm just kind of feeding off of his you know his 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 genuine giddiness about being able to go to this film and then you just when you get into the theater you're like oh, I'm not going to see a Batman movie I mean this is not going to be this is not going to be a, a miserable experience for me it's not it's not going to drag me down or anything like that sure. you go to see it. And I mean, you just you just start seeing these things that are. It, it reminds you of the the when you were a, when you were a kid watching yeah. Star Wars. Even even at that age, I was much young, much much younger in 1990. But even at that point, as a you know a grumpy teenager, you're sitting there and you're watching stuff. I mean, when the when the Batwing goes up and silhouettes mm-hmm. in the moon, and then I mean, just little little nuggets like that, and and people were like, "Wow, this is." this is really visually epic. You know, this yeah, is yeah. visually something. This is amazing. Yeah. Like, you know, Batman had a plane. And, I mean, every, every goofy little stupid thing they did in the TV show with his little speedboat and his bat repellent, they kind of did the same stuff in the movie, but they yeah. turned it, they made it all relevant. They made it cool. They made it, they made it work. And the, absurd, the, the absurdity wasn't yeah. played for the joke. It was played for real. 
and you're and and we we all found out at the time that we were all for it. You know, we want more of this. You yeah. know, we want more of this kind of this spectacle. And well, it's funny you mention that because everyone wanted it, except apparently the the actual people behind it. Uh, Burton only agreed to return when sequely elements like Vicky Vale were dropped, and Keaton only returned when he scored a massive ten million dollar raise. Well, why wouldn't you? I mean, if you were playing Keaton, I don't know about I don't know I don't know why. I don't know about the Burton and the and the Kim Basinger thing, but why wouldn't you, if you were Keaton, say, "Look, man, I need a payday." You know, know. that was that was Keaton's biggest moment. Yeah, you know, Keaton was Keaton was a star at the time. He had done a lot of things. He was well known. We we all knew him. He was probably more known at the time before Batman um, than he is known now after Batman. At at this point in time, he was he hadn't he hadn't been become mythical yet until he did Batman. Right. But he was well enough known that people were like, he's a bad choice for this. <laughs> and he just, you know, he, was, he, 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 kind of, he totally crushed it. He knocked it out of the park as Batman. Yeah. Um, he's the best thing in both movies. You yeah. know, because we, we, again, Batman Returns, I mean, we're, we're not going to have time to go over that, right? Yeah. So, it's not the um, anniversary of it, so. Yeah, no, I know. Um, I don't know what the the Vicky Vale thing was for Burton, but I, I do believe if you're gonna get a nut, you should you should get you should it should be a monster, you know, acorn, um, for your for your war chest if you're gonna do that, you know. So if you're you're Michael Keaton and you are the 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 driving force of this franchise that suddenly just yeah. launched off, yeah, get your get your money. Real, real I don't quick, have a problem with that. Real quick before we go to break, having mentally rewatched it in your head. Does it hold uh-huh. up? Could you show this to it? Could you show it will this? never not hold up because show this to a teenager right now. I don't know what a teenager would say because a teenager is there's there's a number of factors into a teenager's uh, yeah. visualization uh, something. A generalized teenager in your head. I think it will and only because it's a it's a total spectacle in and of itself. It, there's nothing to compare it against. You yeah. can't look at it and say this is dated. That's dated. That doesn't look. I mean, some of the special effects, maybe yeah. sure. Some of the miniatures and models that you can obviously tell. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you can't. I mean, it's a visual tour de force in and of itself. It doesn't. It it doesn't rub up against anything else. So you yeah. can't really go look how old those cars were. Look how look how weak. Like you know, old, there's no cell phones in it. And there's nobody. Right. I mean, it, none of that matters when you right. look at it. So I think it does hold up. Personally. Very cool. Well, chime in on the Facebook feed. Uh, we respond very instantly on that. Uh, chime in on the YouTube feed as well, too, or Twitch, whichever platform you choose. And Brian Everham is wrong. <laughs> he always is, right? Yeah, Except no matter what not. he says. I always agree. When he agrees with me, he's wrong. I agree with Brian. Always. All right. When we come back, uh, we have the iconic Mr. Kevin Conroy. The superpower you wish you had? Um, Teleportation. Ooh. There you go. I always go flight. I'm always like, I want to fly. You teleport. You don't need to fly. Right. You never be late for work. <laughs> That's what you would do. This is why you're the co-host of a, of a, of a middling podcast, because yeah. you don't dream big enough. It, because I can't teleport. If I could teleport, you think I would be sitting here right now? Secrets of the Sire. of the sire before we get to the kevin conroy interview uh, we threw this question out on the interwebs uh, previous to the show is whether or not you thought batman still holds up today tony atkinson atkinson says are you crazy of course it does so that was easy uh, <laughs> cooper though commented and i, I thought this was actually a much uh, more detailed response it was a great movie at the time but it is not dated well the animated moments always look odd and out of place and the action feels a little flat the performances of the two leads still hold up, though, and the urban gothic tone is perfect, and no one has ever written a more iconic Batman theme than in Danny Elfman's score. Uh, he goes on to add, though, the scene in which the Joker talks to the burnt corpse of a rival is still creepy as hell. You're a vicious bastard, and I'm glad you're dead. I gotta be honest, though. I would have agreed to this. I would have agreed 100%, except I rewatched it, and it was like, no, this thing's still... Like- no, I know. That's the, the, I mean, look... You know me and criticisms, right? Yeah. You know, you know how I I kind of parse out criticism. Mm-hmm. I, I judge your criticism as valid 
uh, all depending on how you criticize it, right? Right. Like his is a valid criticism. I might disagree with it, but it's valid, right? It's it's not. I don't even think it's valid because everything is. Old. I mean, everything kind of passes on. All the arts pass on. Every yeah. every piece of special effect is gonna get old. I mean, I'm just. That just kind of means you can't watch any old movie. Yeah. Because, you know, because it didn't have CGI back then. So, I mean, that's not, to me, it doesn't work as a, for, for me personally, not in general. This is actually, it's a very. It doesn't work as a, a it doesn't work as a genuine criticism. But, but um, you actually, what you just said is actually very interesting, right? It just made me think for a split second. Even, you know, going back to the 80s when I was like a little kid watching these movies i always forget i had a level of forgiveness for special effects because you just sat there and go well we can't do better than this you know like we can't do better than claymation animation uh to demonstrate something that that's unbelievable i mean like return of the jedi yeah. was models and things like that and it's like wow even that was amazing you know so there was a level of just built-in forgiveness for this stuff that i wonder and we we don't have we can't answer the question because we're not teenagers or, or little kids now i wonder if the kids are so spoiled today with great special effects that this truly is I'll have to wonder. <laughs> a valid criticism now just because they're just used to it. It's like, what do you mean they can't do that? It's like, valid now, but I mean, look, it's, gonna, it's not going to be valid later. It's, yeah. it's, it, the, the criticism in general is it doesn't look new and therefore it's bad. Right. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a broad stroke of that criticism. It doesn't, it's, not, it's not slick. It's not, it's not sliding. So it's not good. And yeah. that's, not a, that's not a valid critique. You know, there's music and stuff like that that was recorded when recording instruments were not right. uh, precise. We're not, I mean, but it's still genius music. It doesn't change the music that you right. listen to. It just changes the quality of the way you hear the sound. So it's, you know, like the, the signal to noise ratio on complaints like that is more noise and signal as far as I'm concerned. Um, yeah. Because it's, it's, a, it's a critique but it's like a critique for the sake of a critique, because how can anybody in 1980s, you know, in the 1990, make a movie that's going to hold up to 2019? There was no way anybody could do that. Well, again, I, I'm just curious if the mental state, we always, to me, always had these built-in forgiveness for these kind of Of course. Things. And now and that, I'm just curious if today's generation just doesn't have that. No special effect, I think, other than perhaps Jurassic Park. Mm. Yeah. Has ever been like, well, that looks real. You know, that's, <laughs> I totally believe that. I, we, we, do, we do judge on special effects, even yeah. our generation. Mm -hmm. But we're like, yeah, those are nice effects. You know, but I mean, we knew, we know their effects, you yeah. know? Yeah. I mean, only, only just recently with the de-aging thing on, um, on uh, uh, Robert Downey Jr. in um, Civil War and, mm -hmm. and uh, also uh, Michael Douglas in the Ant-Man mm -hmm. is like, wow, that's... Yeah that's almost flawless, you know, but that just broke. I mean, yeah. that just, so yeah, I mean, we're, it's a different world. I don't, I just, I just don't think it's a valid critique that it doesn't look new. So that, that means it's bad. You know, I just don't, that Fair doesn't enough. do anything for me. Fair enough. Well, I'll tell you what uh, has aged extraordinarily well and will continue to age extraordinarily well is Batman, the animated series, uh, Batman, oh Master the Phantasm, all those wonderful things. And thanks to our friends at Wizard World. Uh, Jerry, in particular, the PR guy, uh, who was able to get us interviews with uh, several folks. Next week, we'll have another interview as well, too. Uh, but we got the iconic Kevin Conroy Kevin talking Conroy. about Batman. Kevin freaking Conroy. <laughs> I, it, just unbelievable. So thank you again. It was about a month ago that I was at Wizard World, so you'll hear a little bit of crowd noise. But uh, check it out. He talks Mask of the Phantasm. He talks about his favorite episodes. And he also talks about the, the controversial question of whether or not Batman should kill. Listen in. How does it feel to be, to many, to be the iconic voice of Batman, the only voice? Uh, I, um, you know, it's it's a job I kind of stumbled into back in 91. Yeah. And um, when you book a job as an actor, all you know is the few episodes they signed you for. You have no idea that it'll, the show will be picked up or that that show will turn into another show. I mean, Batman the Animated Series became Batman and Robin. That became Justice League. Yeah. That became Batman Beyond and the Arkham games and the directed video movie. And it's 28 years later and I'm still doing it. I mean, it's unbelievable. 
It's amazing, too. Uh, we're at the Wizard World Philadelphia show, and Fridays tend to be slow days, yet your line continually... Uh, every Wizard show I see you at, your line is always jam-packed. How does that feel to have such an impact with the fans? I, I feel so lucky to have played a character that has such a passionate fan following. Um, fans love Batman so much. They have, they have such a personal uh, relationship with him. And when you're the voice of an animated character, it's like you live in people's imaginations. And so you're living in a very intimate place. With them. Yeah. And they feel like they know me. Yeah. You know, they approach me like I'm an old friend. People come up and throw their arms around me. Yeah. Like I'm a family member. Yeah. And it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's a humbling experience to yeah. know that people feel that connected to you. Yeah. What was your connection to Batman before you got the job? Were you a big fan, a casual fan, no fan at all? I was only, I didn't, I had a very um, conservative uh, Catholic childhood. We didn't have uh, part of the comic books. But um, as an adolescent, I got turned on to uh, the Batman series with Adam West. So that was my first introduction to Batman, which is not really true Batman. Yeah. You know, it was a wonderful show. I yeah. love Adam. They had a great guest stars, yeah. um, amazing guest stars. Yeah. But it was done like a um, almost a cartoony kind of version, you know, Zam, Wow, Wow. You know, it was like almost a Warhol version of Batman. Sure. And when Bruce Tim, when I met him through this show, he said, "No, no, no, we love Adam, but that's not what we're doing." And um, I had to kind of come up to speed on the the Legends of the Dark Knight. You know the the real, true Batman legacy. Yeah. Um, and that's totally different than what Adam West was doing. So, um, I've really fallen in love with this character the same way the audience has. He's so ennobling. Yeah. He's, his motives are so pure. He never kills, you know? We are a big fan of segues on the show. That was a segue into my next question. What did you think about the idea that Batman kills now? Or, or the... The I guess will be the Batman versus Superman style Batman. It's it's taking it into a new uh, realm mm -hmm. that would never have existed in the animated world. Yeah, that that just wasn't part of our universe. Yeah, and I love the fact that it wasn't. Yeah. Um, he didn't kill. He he arrested people and he put them in Arkham. Yeah, which is why Arkham Asylum was so perfect for those video games because every you know, evil villain in the world is in there. Yep. Um, it, it, it definitely does cross a line to have him killed in yeah. the new movies. Yeah. Um, I don't know how I feel about it. It's, it's just, it's not what we would have done. Do you feel, it's, I mean, it's 20, you said 28 years, it's almost an attachment to this character. Uh, when the different iterations come out, uh, is there a sense of ego or is there a sense of pride? Uh, you know, what do you, what do you, make when you see other Batmans on film or in, uh, not really on television, but on film? I, I know the trick of playing the character, yeah. getting the dual identity of Bruce Wayne and Batman, and not a lot of actors get it right. Some do, uh, but, but most are either better at Bruce Wayne or better at Batman. And so that's the way I always look at it. I do it from someone who's, who's had to approach those dual identities. What do you feel is uh, your number one like memory of both being on screen, uh, not on screen, but you know, in the doing the voice of the Batman on, on uh, the cartoon show, and then your favorite in person like moment? What's your big highlight memory that you can think of? My favorite show was Mask of the Phantasm. That's a great recording. Yeah. And uh, Perchance to Dream, of the episodic shows, I love that episode. Um, my favorite off or out of the sound booth experience yeah. of Batman, I think it's probably coming to Comic Con. I had no idea this was going to evolve. Yeah. Who knew yeah. that these were going to happen? And they've taken over. I mean, they're everywhere. And um, the chance to interact with the audience, when you're a voice actor, you don't get that feedback that you get from a stage yeah. performance. Yeah. Um, part of the reason I became an actor was because of that 
that thrill of being on stage every night and feeling the energy of the audience. You know, there's a real connection that happens. You don't get that yeah. in a booth. Yeah. The closest I get to it is coming to these. Yeah. So I love coming to these and meeting people, hearing how much the character means. Well, like I said, it's a truly an honor and pleasure to uh, to speak with you. You were uh, you were a voice in my youth as well too. So thank you so, thank much. You so much. You. Thank you so much. Check out the all-new Sire Studios website, sirestudiosinc.com. Find all your back issues for The Sire, Mainstream, Undone, and more. And be on the lookout for news and announcements, convention appearances, and brand new podcasts coming to Sire Studios. That address again is sirestudiosinc.com. Welcome back to Secrets of The Sire. Again, I want to thank uh, Jerry Milani, at uh, Wizard World, Peter Katz at Wizard World for uh, getting us access uh, to these unbelievable guests. It was an honor to interview Mr. Kevin Conroy. Uh, and as always, you can check out all of our great interviews. We've had just a who's who of, of pop culture folks in the past, Kevin Bacon, Paul Reiser, you know, all these great names uh, that are in this world. So go check us out again on iTunes, on, on iHeartRadio. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. That is the biggest help you possibly can. All right, we do this every week. We go spinning the racks. Spin the rack, spin the racks. San Diego Comic Con 2019, the okay. quietest year ever. Uh, this is actually a newsletter. It's from a newsletter from The Beat. I don't know if you ever checked. If you haven't checked out uh, Comics Beat, uh, it's from Heidi McDonald. It's just, again, I've kind of mentioned this before. And it's an incredible website. Keeps you up to date in the comic book world, uh, which we're we're trying to make spin the racks a little more comic book world. You know, keep you up to date on what's going on in the comic book universe. Uh, we had our San Diego Comic Con recap from last week, so you can go check out last week's show. They did their total Comic Con re recap in the form of a newsletter that just went out uh, a few days ago. So every year at the Ultra Invite only Sunday night Dead Dog Party for Comic Con, someone will say, "I don't know. This was a strange Comic Con." It is tradition, but this is the year it was really true. That leaves the elephant in the room, DC's massively changed presence at the show. The WB slash DC are, doing, are undoing huge changes at every level, and DC's booth is perhaps the most vivid and traumatic change of all. Uh, I warned you, she wrote, but people were still shocked when they arrived on the show floor and found image, scholastic, humanoids, and comicsology where DC used to be. Deciding to give up DC's anchor position on the show floor is kind of a dick measuring move that new executives make in uncertain terrain, and they'll regret it someday, but they can never go back. The studio assimilation that former publisher Paul Levitz fought against for so many years is now completed and irreversible. It was a little bittersweet to see him and Jeanette Kahn inducted into the Eisner Hall of Fame in tandem. They did so much to make comics, uh, to change comics for the better, and now that legacy is being completely uprooted even though it lives on with thousands of children. She goes on to talk about the booth itself, that it was very gated off, uh, that basically you really couldn't interact with the talent, and that it was basically there to sell streaming services to you um, and, and to kind of show off a big AV spectacle. Um, but in general, she goes on to write, you know, not just DC, but the showbiz retraction. Uh, she talks about Marvel's Phase 4. She said, let's be clear. Marvel's Phase 4 presentation was one of the biggest things ever at Comic-Con and the hugest thing year this year by a wide margin, which is what we said. Uh, but it, it did mention the fact that WB, just the traditional WB presentation was AWOL for reasons unknown. This very informative must-read report uh, from Vulture, quoting many industry insiders, explains that it costs 250 grand to put on a Hall H show. Not sure what that means, to be honest. I guess private jets to fly the cast in from London. The most convincing report was that WB was holding back on their Joker presentation since it is more Toronto Film Festival than San Diego Comic-Con, and they feared fan backlash. DC has been doing a number of things. They're printing less comics. Uh, their movies are, have always been up and down. Are you worried? What does this report say to you, Hassan, about the state of DC Comics? Well, uh, I don't know. It's it's always been it was for a long time. It's been being very corporatized mm -hmm. by uh, Warner Brothers by its by its owners. So I mean, yeah. I mean, when's the last when's the last ground they broke in public publication wise? Yeah. You know what's the last like seminal 
piece of work. I mean, honestly, DC's got, out of Seminole Works, they've got probably all of the ones from our industry, right? They've yeah. got, uh, with right. the exception of Watchmen. No. Yeah, because Watchmen is Marvel, right? No, 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 Watchmen's DC. What are you doing? Watchmen is DC. Excuse you're, me. You're absolutely killing me. That's it. You're fired. <laughs> That's it. Whatever. You didn't know the guy's name was Retaliante. So whatever. Um, <laughs> I think on a scale no. of no, I'm, right. I'm fine. No name character in who's, a who's the one who started this? Thirty years ago versus the most iconic graphic novel of all. That's time. right. I am the master of obscure media. We're gonna you, look back on this episode. This will not be in your highlight reel. No, well, actually, the rest of the episode maybe. It was I don't good. really have anything in a highlight reel. But um, okay. So Watchmen, Dark Knight. Yeah. Kingdom Come. It's all DC. You know, know, all the seminal works are coming from C from DC Comics. So, I, when's the last monster thing that they've done? Yeah. Other than New Fifty Two, which you know, look, it's, it's your mileage. I don't even know if the mileage varies on New 52. So it's um, it's been happening for it's been coming for a long time. That that Joker the, the lack of participation. Yeah. No, good. The lack of participation. Good. The lack of part. No, I mean, I was. I my reaction wasn't to your interjection. It's like I don't. I don't know how I feel about the new Joker movie. Well, that's that I really Joker don't. Trailer looks really awesome as a trailer, and now. You know, with a lack of Comic Con response, fearing fan backlash. If you're hearing this, I'm just sitting there going, like, is this just? I mean, is there any plan? You know, Warner Brothers pulling. First back of all, I think the I think the fans, I think the fans overplay their hands with these things. Yeah, like something, dislike something. I get it. Um, decide whether or not you want to participate in something. That is perfectly within our purview, right? Yeah. Fans kind of have this ownership entitlement thing going. I know that's been said a billion times, and it's not even—I'm not breaking any new ground with this. Right. But I really think that the that studio reaction to the fans as of late kind of demonstrates how little of the market share the fans actually have. You know, because I mean the, the vocal fans. Yeah. The studios are still going to the studios do nothing but double down on everything they do, regardless of backlash. They actually want your backlash. They want your ire. So, like, you know, people are like, I don't understand why they yeah. would act like this to the fans who, who, you know, kept them, you know. And, I mean, it's debatable whether or not the fans actually held anybody up or, you know. I mean, the fans yeah. are a huge part of it. Yeah. But the fans didn't make the art. The fans didn't – the fans the fans are very fickle when it comes yeah. to the art. It's not, like, um, it's not like the fans are supporting everything and it's the studios that are trying to tear everything down. It's mutual. Yeah. Yep. kind of situation. So I honestly think, regardless of like you know, just just in reaction to uh, your article of people saying that the you know the the company's going to regret this mm-hmm. move, I don't know if it will. You know, yeah. I I honestly think that things are you know Warner Brothers and also Marvel especially is there's such juggernauts at the at the moment. Well, I mean, it's it's funny because there's you know she talks about the state of the industry, um, you know, talking about how everyone in in the room at some point had some sort of like you know IDW had financial trouble, um, you know there was uh, just in general like a bunch of of different things. Uh, you know, DC's kind of hiccuped a little bit here. Um, you know, there there's been a lot of turmoil however comics in general are actually looking up you know the graphic novel industry is is now the foundation team yeah. now the foundation which both things you know it might not be in a traditional retailer sense but both things are very positive things so but to see the second biggest or arguably the biggest you know of the big two kind of taking these step backs you know steps back you know has me has but, i mean from just from just that from just that arena, you know? I mean, there's still, the content is still coming. They've yeah, just taken a step back from the, from actual yeah. interaction with the fans, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, we'll, I, we'll see. What I agree do. with the, I agree with the, the, the concern. Yeah. I don't think it's, I don't think it's unfounded, but I also do think that the, the, the fan base market share is much smaller than we, we give it credit for, you know? Yeah. I, I, I think I, we yeah. always think that the backlash is going to destroy an industry or bring things down. And I mean, look, look I, at uh, Captain Marvel. We all, we honestly know how much of the market share yeah. the critics had of Captain Marvel. So, well, it stinks in a plane is actually an even better instance, right? I mean, it killed Comic Con 
and it and it bombed at the at the box office. So, which know, one? Uh, snakes on a plane. Oh snakes yeah. That was oh a, heck yeah. That was 2010. That was a big Comic Con moment. Yeah, it's not a good gauge. It's not a. It's yeah. not a. It's it's not a a, a, a straw poll. You know, yeah. a piece of straw poll at all anymore. Yeah. yeah. Well, let us know what you think. Uh, as always, again, chime in. Uh, hit us up. Uh, go to secretsofthesire.com. Uh, shoot us emails. Talk to us on our Facebook pages, facebook.com slash secretsofthesire. Next week, the boys are back in town. Well, actually, they never got here yet because this is only season one. Uh, but I digress. Uh, we will be reviewing the, I guess you could call it the hit, Amazon Prime series, The Boys. Plus, There's really a lot of buzz about it. Yeah, plus Shazam and Smallville's John Glover drops by to talk about his DC connection. Cool.